What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. There's an old saying, Joey, that timing is everything. And today's podcast guest we've interviewed before, and the last time he was on, we were talking about how to create passive income, how to create financial freedom through passive income. And what we found through this interview is that timing was not right. And he revealed a new focus that I think is probably going to be really powerful to many of us who run small businesses. Well, I, I don't know about you, Russ, but to me, I kind of started off like, man, I'm, I'm taking this personally. Like, I mean, Garrick came in here all fired up about passive income and he started and then he just like pivoted on us. Like to focus in on his business, like that seems boring. Well, but it, I think it's wisdom, right? I mean, what we have to know is who we are as an investor and know how our gifts align with what we're trying to accomplish. And even though our our motivations may be to go 100 miles an hour at something, it may not be the best timing for us to do it. And Garrett talks about that in this episode. He talks about how he took wisdom from a mentor who said, you have a big opportunity in your business. Stop fooling around with all these little small ideas on the side. Go all in here. And then once you get that right, then you can start peeling back and looking for other side opportunities. I thought oh, like yeah. that was a, a really smart idea. No doubt. No, I, I was just kidding. I didn't take it personally because what it what it did for me is it if it, it, it th- there's the business owner out there right now who is hearing us talk about this and they're saying, you know what, I've been confused. Like you guys talk about all these other cool ideas and I want to get involved in them, but right under my nose is the best passive income asset I could ever create. And it's my business. Like I I feel conflicted. Like I want to do all these cool things because I'm an entrepreneur. I want to, you know, expand my reach and all these things. But man, my business could suffer if I don't focus in on it. And by the way, I could easily make this a passive asset. Whereas these other things might take way more energy and focus. Anyways, I, I think somebody is hearing us and they're nodding their head like, finally, you guys are covering what I've been struggling with. Well, we've covered this part in the past about the financial hierarchy, right? The way that we should look at money, creating cash and cash flow. I know you talked about this in the episode. And the first place that someone should invest is where? In themselves. Control. In themselves. And the thing that they can control the most, they have the most control, at least some of us, right? I, I kind of struggle with self-control. But most people have the ability to actually control the outcomes of the businesses and the things that they're doing themselves. I felt like Garrett took that advice to heart. So if you're a business owner, or you're small, you know, running a small business and you're eagerly distracted with the next shiny object and you're always thinking, well, what should I get involved in? And you've not 
excelled in your own personal business yet, you've not crushed it in your own small business, maybe this is something that is going to be the right timing for you to hear. And I appreciate you listening. Joey, let's don't wait any longer. Let's jump into this interview with Garrick McCarty. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome back, guys. We are so blessed to have Garrick McCarty back with us. It's been since November of 2019, my friend. I can't wait for everybody else to hear and catch up on what you've been up to. I'm looking forward to it, guys. Yeah. For those of you that didn't get a chance to listen to Garrick's episode, it's episode 110. And this is the year where we're spending a lot of time going back and having previous guests, community members, people just like you, who have financial freedom and their destination and they're doing little small things that are getting them closer and closer to there. And Garrick is going to be an inspiration to you. I know he's an inspiration to us and has been very instrumental in the community over the last couple of years. So Garrick, the last time we spoke, you had a lawn care business and it was something that you were you were doing in the left hand, and then in the right hand you were you were seeking real estate deals. You're th- you're seeking like private lending deals. You're trying to figure out what were ways that you could get your money at work. And you, you have probably one of the most quotable things that Joey's ever been able to repeat the same over and over again, which is when my money is sitting there and I have access to it, I got to tell it what to do. So I want to take you back to that moment, 2019. You're 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 kind of starting to make headway. You're starting to look at different opportunities, and what what were some of the results of the effort that you were putting in there? Yeah, well, uh, you know, one of the things that I really got excited about in terms of looking at real estate was was mobile home parks and self storage. We we uh, a potential partner of mine and I, a friend of mine, uh, we had a offer verbally accepted on a self-storage facility and got really excited about that. And then as soon as, uh, as soon as we presented the actual paper offer, uh, for her to sign, uh, she sold it all cash to a, an, a friend. So of hers, not a friend of ours, but a friend of hers. So that, <laughs> that deal, uh, went out the window and then I, I got a, a mobile home park under contract and I started looking at it. How, okay, exactly how much is this uh, going to take from me in terms of debt for uh, the down payment and cap capex expense, and then also how much time is it going to take for me to uh, to operate this thing? Because it was such a small deal, uh, which I was I was kind of looking at the smaller deals because that's what in my mind I, I thought I should be uh, trying to take down at first. Nothing too big. Right. Um, so all it was doing, all this was doing was, was taking me away from operating my lawn care business. And one of my mentors had told me, 
uh, probably, I don't know, maybe six months before all this kind of stuff went down. And it was in the back of my head. I, I could hear him saying it to me. But um, he said, look, Eric, you need to put the hammer down on your lawn care company and quit messing around with these smaller opportunities that are basically going to take you away and you're going to halfway do both things. Mm-hmm. So around that time is whenever I said, all right, we're going to let, let's, let's look at the business and we're going to, I'm going to stop putting in offers that I, that, you know, may or may not get, I'm going to stop looking into real estate at the time. I continue to, I do continue to educate myself in that world, but, uh, because I want to be there eventually. Um, but I want to use my business and really get it, uh, get it, uh, to a point where it can help me fund these deals even, even more so than me having to go and get other investors to partner with me to do that. So, All right. I, so hold on, Russ, I, I need to ask a question. Did you, Russ, think about what I was thinking when Garrick was saying about how much time and all the factors that went into his decisions about that mobile home park? You're, you're hitting my brain where you're saying kind of what Justin Harris had a conversation with us one time about that. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I'm thinking about investor DNA. Right. The passive income matrix. If you have already taken advantage of our Pathfinder course, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. The investment is not nearly as important as the investor. I'm going to say it again. The investment is not nearly as important as the investor. So when you don't know what type of investor you are, what are your limitations with time? What are your limitations with capital experience? Like those things have to be factored in before you pick a strategy, right? And in our Pathfinder course, you take, you get your investor profile. And with it, you have our passive income matrix that tells you what are the factors that you need to consider in each of these, there's six different passive income ideas. Well, when you said that, Garrett, it was like a, an alarm going off in my head. It's like, you, you may find the greatest investment in the world for someone else, but when you have a gold mine in front of you, like your own business, and you're going to have to take valuable time away from it, there's a cost that, that either that investment has to somehow go well above and beyond that, or you pass on the investment. And you are wise enough to see that and and then to subsequently focus in on the thing that was going to give you the biggest, um, you know, bang for your buck, so to speak. Well, well, let's talk about that, right? I mean, I think there are some of us who run small businesses like yours, Garrick, and I think they're probably going to relate and to what you're about to tell us. But there are some of us who work for companies, right? We don't run our business. So the thing we can't really we put many more hours in our job. We don't really have that much output. And what I heard you say is your mentor said you could put more hours into your own specific thing and have greater output than you can taking that same amount of input into real estate or whatever it may be. The output wouldn't be as big. So I, I want to let's, let's, you know, we've had two years since your mentor told you this and obviously yeah. you, you started taking action on that. Let's let's see how that worked out. So two years ago, he says, stop playing around with this other stuff. Go after the big thing. The big thing's your your job. And at the time, I believe you had about 200 customers, right? 
So yeah. let's talk about what's happened since then. So I, uh, I took my customer base. I took the offerings that I was currently offering. And I think I, at that point, uh, I was really, I was doing grass cutting, hedge trimming, uh, all sorts of different services in the lawn care uh, world. And then I decided to trim it down to only uh, no pun intended. No pun yeah, trim it down. I said, okay. this is the last trimming job I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> So I, uh, I stopped doing all that and I would spray for weeds. I would fertilize. And I also got, I did get licensed at that point to offer mosquito control. So, but everything that I did there could come off one truck and there was very minimal equipment involved. So, yeah. so I could come and be very streamlined. And that's what I did moving forward, uh, from, from that time, time, uh, in the year. And then, and then, I, uh, man, I started thinking about the business in some of the ways that I, you know, listen to these guys talk, listen to you guys on the podcast, on all the creative finance to buy real estate. I said, well, maybe I can do that to add on to my business. You know, it costs so much money to acquire a customer. Whenever you think about the time to go do a quote, uh, the 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 time uh the money that you would spend on whatever form of marketing that you would use to get them whether it's uh you know digital or direct mail um and even giving people a free lawn service if they refer their neighbor there's a cost to that to me well right. i started asking guys if they just sell me their their business and uh you know I, I had a few takers so some guys wanted to kind of get a little more centralized in the location that they served and they had a handful of customers in the the greater Birmingham area that they just weren't excited about. So I would I bought those from them, and I did that about four or five different times, as well as just normal organic growth. And then two years two years later, uh, we're we're around a thousand customers. So you were at two hundred, and, and now yeah. you're at a thousand. Yep. So you and five, we're, we're not yep. doing anything crazy. We're doing the streamlined service on every one of those customers. And it's but, so easy. To but these them. are, but these are the mean customers. Yeah. Oh, the mean ones. I, I, uh, I refer, refer them to my competitors. So. <laughs> I was wondering if that's what they decided. They were like, you know what? Garrick wants to buy some customers. I really don't <laughs> like these guys over yeah, here. They're right. kind of mean. Um, that's right. They're up for sale. I've been beat up a little bit, but <laughs> well, so when you, when you say that, right, I mean, it's hard for us as we're riding down the road to try to quantify this. And I, I want to draw parallels because I think there's so much wisdom in what your mentor said. I actually heard Ed Milet say something very similar. He said, there's a lie that entrepreneurs diversify their investments. You know, you see the Mark Cubans of the world, you, 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 uh, you watch Shark Tank, you see these guys, you know, Alex Rodriguez, everybody's buying all these different assets and they're like, oh man, that's how these guys made their money, right? They were investors in all these different things. That's the lie, right? They went big on one thing, their thing. And once they made a bunch of money doing that one thing really well, then and only then did they start looking to diversify out and buy other deals. And I think for for many of us who have small businesses like yours, Garrick, there's a, a, a great lesson here is that maybe the biggest opportunity for investment sits right in front of us in our business. And what you saw is 
man, I could streamline my business. I can get rid of some things that probably had more equipment, more labor that were probably not as profitable, to be honest. Find the most profitable thing, go bigger, and you went and bought customers and you expanded. Now you're 5X. How are you seeing that affect the bottom line? Are you seeing that sort of significant improvement? Well, I'll say this. The the discretionary earning, whenever you look at a business like mine and you you, you call a portion of the, the, the revenue seller's discretionary earning, that's definitely grown. But I'm using a significant portion of that in debt service okay. to these guys because on on a couple of these transactions i did seller financing one of the deals was 100 percent seller financing with no down payment the other one i had to put 33 percent down uh and then i structured terms there's there's a lot of things i I'd probably go back and do a little bit d- differently uh but i structured these terms a little too a little too short term so that cash flow has been tight uh ah. but but the but the the margin is there. There's just a lot of it going to debt. But a lot of these debt services, they fall off in another 12 months or another 18 months. And then all that, all that revenue from those additional customers, uh, you know, I, I say all the revenue, all of the, the profit from them, we'll, we'll realize that. At that point. So. Uh, well, well, so you brought it up. I mean, this is why we're on the podcast, right? It's to learn. Okay, so you you set up these these deals. You said too short term. So if you could go yes. back and restructure yeah. these deals, have a conversation again, what would you have uh, pushed for yeah. that you didn't get the first time? Well, uh, I would have pushed for uh, more more years for payback. You know, with an option to pay it back quicker if I wanted. But uh, the very first deal I did was it worked out. Pretty good. I structured that over a six-year pay pay payback uh, yeah. or a buyout, whatever. And the cash flow more more than sufficient to pay that pay that debt back. Plus, me take some additional income from that uh, after paying for labor, paying for products. The last deal I did, it was such a it was such a cheap price per customer that I let that get in my head too much, and I'm like, yeah, I'll pay off and in 20 months, let's do it. And <laughs> I just did not spend enough time. Uh, we were also in the time of year where if we didn't go and treat all those yards, it was about, I think at that, that purchase was about 300 accounts at one time mm. and none of them had been touched and we were into February and that is bad news in the lawn care world. I'm like, let's get the deal done. Let me get my trucks out on those yards. And by doing that and by rushing through it, uh, only a small sliver of, of the, uh, the, the revenue from those 300 customers, uh, am, am I actually putting in my pocket at this point? So you're, you're basically just that. paying down the debt. Once you get through the yes. 20 months, you're back. Yeah. And do you, do you think that that was definitely in your just inexperience of doing those yes. deals? And as you Absolutely. potentially acquire customers in the future, you know, now that you can do owner financing, you know, probably there's a little more leverage than you think you got. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now that I've, I've got a, a base of a thousand customers, the numbers make a lot more sense than whenever you have 200 customers that you never bought. They just grew organically. So now you can I have better books where I can see what is average customer value. Yeah. Uh, and then also, what, what do I actually profit per customer uh, over the course of the year? And then I can now I can see, well, how much cash flow can I 
put toward debt payments from that. Whereas I, I didn't have, I did not have that information for myself at the time. This podcast is amazing. Almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what is it costing you to not know? What is it costing you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our Passport Challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash Passport. Get started today. Hold on. I'm a, idea guy, will you, will you let me in? I'm knocking at the door for the love, okay? The answer um, is uh, come back later. Golly. <laughs> I feel like a Girl Scout at your front door and you've already bought cookies. I mean, Ooh, let's go. No, you know, the Girl Scout's getting in with the uh, with the cookies. I mean, just give me the cookies and go. Mm. All right. Well, we're not talking about cookies anymore. But, Garrick, so a couple things. Uh, number one, the 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 beautiful thing is, is that you failed forward. And, and by the way, by failing, you actually just got a little tight. It's not still failure. You're learned tremendous lesson by stepping into a space that apparently not a lot of people are doing. Um, so you're blazing a trail, but I love it because now you can apply it and grow significantly as a result. The second thing is, is, is you got really clear and focused that this was the fastest way to financial freedom for you. And I want to get, I want to get to that here in just a minute. But the other part is Russ, we've talked about the hierarchy of wealth. And the hierarchy of wealth starts with cash, cash value, cash flow at that baseline. And then the, the next place where we should invest is in ourselves, in the yep. things that we can control. Uh, if you're thinking about cash as the first one, control being the second step up. And a business that you own and control is the number one place that you should be investing time and money in to get to financial freedom because guess what? The cash flow that that creates could easily become passive if you could replace yourself. And yeah. we, we go back to books like the E-Myth. If you're not following something like that and you own a business, you are missing the point. You're creating a job. You've, you've bought yourself a job. And, and we want to get you to a point of passivity as soon as possible. But um, I, I'd love to hear how you got really clear on that. Derek, and, and maybe even what the future holds as it relates to creating a passive business. Yeah. Once I stopped kind of running down trails of uh, real estate, um, I, uh, and then started to focus and then started to think creatively and, and actually see like uh, uh, one little deal come in. Uh, then it was just a math game at that point. It's all right. I mean, it's like me and my, my time in the car wash business. I mean, you can just sit there and count cars and say that's seven dollars and fifty cents every time it comes in and you know what the costs are. It's just real easy in my in my world to do that because it's it's the same widget over and over again in terms of what we deliver. To and you customer. have scale so, now to be able to really see that. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and we have scale. Yeah, that's right. And that, that really made put, put such a better picture in front of me on paper from, you know, from my P&L and, and balance sheet and being able to see, okay, 
this is this is this is what what's in front of us. Now let's just go get more of them. Uh, and most aggressive way to do that is go buy them. And I love buying them. It's a lot easier as well. Just just buy the customer. And now now I'm looking at bigger deals. Uh, you know, I want to I want to buy a guy. I want to buy somebody out that's got a you know one and a half million dollars of revenue. You know, it, it, to some people that's very tiny, but to me, I would have never thought about that three years right. ago. Um, but, and it's something that we could, we've got the manpower to, to absorb, you know, and when you buy a, a book like that, now you don't just buy accounts, you buy a small team. And once, now that we are focused in on lawn care and we've got systems that are becoming, you know, they're, they're, they're getting put down on paper, uh, or Google docs. Um, now we can just plug and play. You know, we know how long it's going to take to train a technician so he can get in that truck by himself. Um, so anyway, I, being that it was just right there in front of me, I thought about I just I just didn't did not consider my business that was directly in front of me being a, a, a legit way to get me to passive income. Um I, I kept I don't know why, but I just kept thinking it's going to be real estate. It's going to be real estate. That's how I'm going to do it. And I had buddies that operate large apartment complexes. And I saw like, man, these guys are, these guys are working. They are working. And, uh, and, and it was a, it was going to be a long uh, learning curve for me to do something like that. So uh, yeah, I just figured so talk, talk to us then. How do you see, you just said something that I want to come back to. How do you see your business leading you to passive income? Well, I know I know what uh, it takes to operate my business day to day. And everything that it takes can be taught. I know how to teach it. And I, and I can find somebody better than myself to do it. So because we've been doing this since 2014 and we've kind of whittled down the process, I feel like we're really, it's really close. And I also, I don't think that I'll ever be like completely passive, but man, I have seen close friends of mine operate their business in a very passive way. And so I've, I've had that modeled for me and I know, I know how they they've led teams. Um, and I want to take that and implement that. And I, I feel like because we, I think it's the, the systems, you know, you mentioned that book, the E-Myth, um, I've read it multiple times, but really over these last two years, it started to make sense because I started to replace myself. The first thing that happened is I hired some technicians to work with me and I saw, oh, you know what? I do not have to go out in the truck every day and turn revenue. Um, it was fearful and, you know, quality drops a little bit, but it's also something we can improve on. Um, so, yeah, I think that being able to see guys do it in their small business, uh, me being able, I mean, even the eight years that I had in, in the car wash industry really helped understand how to scale, how to create systems. And, and now, now, unfortunately, it's taken me this long, but uh, we're starting to, to get systems in place in lawn care. Um, and I can, I can see that we're, we're close for me to be able to step out. I love it. I love the fact that you're seeking ways to get out of the S quadrant 
into the B quadrant because then that's just frees you up. Now you got a business that you can control. You understand that creates cash flow. And if you want to use that, like you said, to start getting into the real estate game, but I know you because I'm looking over your shoulder. You got into the real estate game just a, <laughs> in a very controlled manner into a into an area that you actually know really well. Um, so well, it's over your back shoulder in your backyard. You, you, right. you started a commercial warehouse and ha- rented it out to a local candle maker, I think. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, these candle guys, you know, they're up and comers uh, <laughs> in the candle world. They needed a nice place to rent, and uh, I needed a place to store some trucks so they would the hoses wouldn't freeze up in the wintertime. So, yeah, I took actually like some of the funds from my uh, IBC accounts and uh, mixed in with uh, some HELOC funds, and we we built we built this this twenty five hundred square foot warehouse behind the house and. Uh, I had uh, on good faith that these candle guys would, would start renting it from me. So, uh, so it probably accelerated that building getting built by a couple couple years as well. But we did it, and now we're we're ca- that's another uh, another way we're cash flowing just a little bit here at the house. Oh man, so I love good. it. Well, I, I want to end on this because I, I know we got um, short time left, but. A couple of years ago, you still you weren't new to IBC then, but uh, I always feel like we're learning as we're going and we see things a little bit differently as time goes on. So since we talked last two years ago, how do you look at IBC differently um, than maybe you did two years ago? Well, uh, I think when I first started IBC, you know, I don't know how most people are, but I'm in my mind. I'm on year 15. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so that's just kind of how, how I was thinking in the moment. Then, then you look up and you say, well, I'm, I'm actually on year two. Or I'm on year three. <laughs> right. uh, on year four, uh, where we're really trying, you know, the way I set mine up, you know, real, real high premiums, those, those first few years. Uh, but doing that, like, I'm more of a believer now than I was a few years ago, even though I've had to reset some expectations on my own, just because in, again, I, I just, in my head, I'm like, let's, let's just go do this. And I still beat that drum. Uh, and I had, I had a guy actually tell me this weekend, he said, dude, you need to go sell that stuff. If you, you're not, you're not, uh, you won't stop talking about IBC. I'm like, well, I probably should. So, uh, but and I think it's awesome for guys in my world, you know, blue collar guys that tr- are trying to uh, get out of, uh, you know, they need to grow in order to get out of a job if they want to create a business. Well, you're going to have to have some financing. And I think this is the way to do it. Um, so just in my, I can't, I don't know how one of that my oldest policy is. Maybe it's in its going, going into its fourth or fifth year. But I'm telling you, like we put that money to work and we're doing it so that we can stop working um, yeah. as soon as possible. So it, I, I would say for guys that are like me um, or, or really like anybody, I mean, good grief, we all we all finance everything. But whenever you're putting that money toward a business that's generating 30 or 40 or 50 percent return 
you better get as much money in that business as possible and growth. So um, that's that's kind of how I look at my IBC accounts, and I will continue to do that. Uh, and I continue to get told told I need to sell it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have you on in the future as a coach, man. We, we got right, a couple people right. that sit on that podcast every week. They used to be uh, clients, and uh, they were doing something else. Well, Garrett, thank you for sharing. I mean, there's so many lessons that we all have taken away from today's episode. I, I really appreciate you. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to see you guys. All right, Stallion. We got we got a lot of good stuff to keep sharing. I hope as you uh, listen to this podcast, if this inspires you, uh, share it with someone else. Give us uh, a rating and a review. We love uh, reading those. And as always, have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.